1: This is Coach Jen in Ocala,
2: Florida. And it's Christy Landwehr here in Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, April the 17th, episode 1915. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. Got a bad feeling about this. Here's
1: a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association.
2: Missed it by that much.
1: How can I change this to make it better the next time?
2: Help you, I can. Yeah.
1: Time for training Tuesday on horses in the morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. So Christy, what is the theme of our show this month? So exciting, getting your horse-crazy youth
2: involved at the local, regional, and national levels. So whether you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, or a neighbor, or you have riding students or whatever the case may be, how can you keep them active in our industry?
1: There you go. And coming up to help us do that, we've got Christine Gillette. She's going to talk a little bit about getting youth involved. And then Haley Eberle. Did I say that right? Eberly. Oh, I got it completely wrong. Haley Eberly is going to stop by. And she is from the a graduate of Middle Tennessee University. And she is with the NRHA. So she's going to have a Western bent on this whole thing. And she's going to help us out getting youth involved in a positive way. And the horse business isn't going to go anywhere unless we get kids involved. So stay tuned for the fray. Welcome back, Christy. It's the third Tuesday of the month, and Christy is always here with all sorts of things that we can geek out on for riding instruction, horse training, etc. How you doing, girl? I am good, Jen. How are you doing today? Doing great. We're enjoying the arrival of spring here in Ocala, Florida. How about Colorado? You know, we had a
2: really freakish snowstorm just two mornings ago, which was kind of bizarre. But yeah, it's getting greener. Um, The robins are back and the shedding has begun.
1: (gasps) Oh, shedding season. Everybody's favorite. Oh, yes. And there is a lot of it. A lot of shedding season. Now, do any of your horses get body clipped in the springtime or over the winter or are they all fuzz fuzz?
2: No, it's all fuzz fuzz. I don't have a barn. I just have a a, kind of a 12 by 24 shelter for them to go in. So I like them to keep their hair. So, oh, my gosh, there's so much of it that comes off. They're living
1: the natural lifestyle. They are doing that. Yes. And I'll
2: tell you a little secret that you Floridians don't need to know about. But I just recently learned as a Californian now in Colorado. Spray PAM cooking spray on the bottom of your horse's hooves after you take the shoes off for the winter and the ice balls do not collect.
1: There you go. Now, is it PAM olive oil, PAM butter flavored or regular classic PAM? I would say just good old classic PAM because I think it's the cheapest. (laughs) Classic Pam on the bottom of the feet. I've heard mention of folks who who put various and sundry concoctions on the soles of their feet to avoid snowballing. So Pam is, is approved by Christy. Pam is good. But let me tell you one thing, Jen, you've got to make sure to do. Desensitize
2: your horse to aerosol cans before you try this at home.
1: <laughs> Maybe do a test run before you're underneath the horse. Yes. That would be good. Good idea. <laughs> There we go. There we can see it. We're we're fifty seconds into the show, and already we've got great advice. Education. We love education. We love education. That's what the CHA is all about. And speaking of education, you've got some uh, you've got some talks and some visits and some shows to get coming up.
2: Oh, so excited. So um, just finished with Equine Affair in Columbus, Ohio, and was able to do a teaching techniques for riding instructors talk and also able to do a um, different ways of bidding up your horse while lunging them. So we get them into the proper frame using things like Vienna reins, elbow pull, side reins, what they all are. And I did all of that on April fourteenth on my birthday because I am just so nice that way to share on my birthday. Oh,
1: you're a giver! Oh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's always a great show. We always have a booth there, and we try to send speakers, and it's it's a fun one. So yeah, the, hopefully the, the Ohio show is go. very
1: well attended, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is there and that show, and then the Massachusetts one's pretty good too. In November, we like that one too.
1: The um, the Ohio show is in my opinion, a little bit unique in that it's just far enough into spring that everybody has a very, very serious case of spring fever, but frequently Mother Nature is not yet cooperating. Correct.
2: <laughs> I would agree. So they have time to come to see. Exactly. Us exactly. To everybody is horse.
1: inspired to go and do horse things. But a lot of times riding's not quite right yet because the weather's a little questionable. So uh, a lot of times Mother Nature throws a little bit of weather your way and everybody shows up at the Equine Affair and it's a mob scene.
2: Well, and they're celebrating 25 years this year. Wow. At, the, at that Ohio show. Yeah. Can you believe it's been that long? That's pretty awesome.
1: That is crazy. Well that's pretty cool. And what else have you got going at uh, going on over there at CHA?
2: Well, just a reminder to everyone listening, whether you want to audit a clinic, which is a great way to kind of learn the process before you go get certified, or whether you actually want to try certification as a riding instructor or as an equine facility manager, if you go onto our website, we have all the clinics are up right now, and boy, we have about 80 of them up. So there's a lot of clinics happening in a lot of states and a lot of provinces, so check those out. And then, of course, our big international conference that you were able to come to last year, Jen. Jen. This year is in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, up at Ooh. Colorado State University, and it's early this year. We're the last weekend in September, but we have Dr. Temple Grandin coming as our keynoter. We've got uh, national Raining horse doing rider rainer again. A local trainer is going to come and bring his rainers in for those that want to experience a sliding stop and a spin. And it's open to everybody, not just our members. You just get a discount if you are a member, but anyone can come. So now, I,
1: I'm curious. That has some been something that the CHA has done for quite some time in that you throw open the doors and you invite the public to come to your annual conference meet membership or not you don't even have to be a riding instructor with a business card you just have to be a interested curious willing to learn horse person. What was the what was the the thinking behind doing that because it's you just don't see that a whole lot with organizations. Yes. You know, I
2: think our big thing, Jen, and thanks for asking. You know, we're all breed, all discipline. So we really do have an open door policy to everything. Our mission is safety. And the average person getting started in the industry can benefit a lot from all the different um, instructors that come to our event, veterinarians, equine massage therapists, whatever the case may be, to just talk about their journey with the horse, whether they don't even have one yet, they're thinking about buying one, whether they're not even sure about where to take riding lessons, whatever the case may be, safety is key. And they want to make sure to find a boarding facility or find a lesson barn program or find a camp for their kid or whatever that has that safety in mind. So that is our Big push. That's why anyone can come.
1: And what I found interesting when we went to the 2017 edition in Kentucky is the enormous variety of seminars and clinics that you could go and attend. Some with people mounted, some not, and the the, the breadth of it. There was some pretty much something for everybody. Whether you would instructor, a student, a casual rider, someone who taught high level, low level, you. I was able to glean something from many, many, many different points of view versus a lot of times when you have organizations, horse organizations have their annual conferences. It's a lot of business and it's pretty dry. And unless you are steeped in that specific discipline, breed, or or, or the like, there's not much there for you. This covers so much ground and it covers it in a very engaging way. So, just as someone who just recently attended, if you're just a little bit horse crazy and going to Colorado, is it Boulder, Colorado? It's in Fort Collins, Fort just Collins, north Colorado. Of Boulder. If if Fort Collins, Colorado is within your travel means, I would encourage you to do that because it was a lot of fun. You you can learn about um, networking. And also do a lot of networking, which was something I found surprising. That was not something I thought I would bring away from it. But I learned about networking amongst other people in the horse business. And I also was able to do some networking amongst the horse business. So uh, get out there and get your tickets to Fort Collins, folks. When is it again? Well, Jen, I appreciate that so much. It means a lot coming from
2: you. It is September the 28th through the 30th this year. So we're going to have our awards banquet instead of on Saturday night on Sunday night. So it's shifted back one day. And of course, we're in September instead of October. So a little bit different, but we want to make sure to not get a big old snowstorm, which sometimes we can get in Colorado in October, even though we're in indoor arenas and stuff, they're not heated. So it's, it gets to be a little chilly. So we like that but I think a lot of people do re, um, not realize that convention and conference to a lot of people means, like you said, kind of boring business meetings inside a hotel. And we are far from that. We are let's get people on horses. The school horses are provided by Colorado State. Let's get people out there. Um, just so you know, though, if you're chosen as a rider, you're a prop. Um, the speaker is actually going to be speaking to the audience and using you as a Lesson. so that's something we always like to kind of let have a bunch of different breeds a bunch of different disciplines to try out we're even going to have their csu polo team's going to come and put everybody up on a polo horse oh, and let them fun. learn how to swing a mallet and
1: yeah it's going to be awesome i love very, very
2: exciting year
1: i got to take a couple of polo lessons over over the years and that can get real addictive real fast oh it's so much fun yeah um, yeah that was a lot of fun i yes. could i could just hit the ball around the field for hours on end And I'll
2: tell you what's really fun about it is, you know, it takes a while to desensitize your own horse to the mallet and the ball and everything else. These are horses that are like, yeah, whatever, mallet, ball, fine. So you actually get to get
1: on and learn. I mean, it's just really good. That makes a big difference because my mallet was going in all kinds of directions it really wasn't supposed to. And the horse I was on was just so, okay, let me move my (laughs) ear out of the way before you hit it. That's good. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) Well... Speaking of getting folks involved in new sports, it looks like we've got our first guest on the line. Take it away, Christine. Christine Henry-Gillette is the Director of Youth Activities and Events at the American Paint
2: Horse Association. She attended Middle Tennessee State University and received her bachelor's degree in horse science and was very active on their equestrian team. Currently, she is pursuing her Master's of Agricultural Communications at Texas Tech through an online learning program. Her background with youth began back when she was a summer camp counselor in the North Georgia mountains. In her current role at the APHA, she coordinates all of the youth programming, including youth national leadership teams, the novice youth program, and all of the activities at the Youth World Championship Show. Additionally, Christine has managed and worked in several different roles with Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, Interscholastic Equestrian Association, AQHA, and National Reigning Horse Association shows across the South. She's also on our board of directors. For fun, Christine spends time riding and showing her gelding Reno and her mare Jenna in all-round events on the AQHA circuits and is a huge Atlanta Braves fan. She lives in the Metro Dallas-Fort Worth area with her husband, John, and their dog, Izzy. Hello, lady. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you so much for having me on today. We are thrilled to have you on. So, the Braves, how have they been doing in recent years? I don't keep up with that kind of stuff.
0: Well, you know, um, the past couple of years, I would say might be uh, rebuilding. <laughs> um, the most recently built would be our brand new stadium, which is super exciting. Um, it was uh, last year was the debut season and I actually didn't get to make it to a game. Um, but uh, I'm looking like we're going to be able to make it to a game at the new stadium this year with my husband. So we're pretty excited about that for a one year wedding anniversary. That'll be our big trip. I'm kind of pumped to go see them in their new stadium, which is supposed to be so cool. I'm pretty pumped about that.
2: That'll be really fun. And you get to do so much traveling for the American Paint Horse Association. Tell us about a couple of the fun international journeys you've had.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. So um, in 2016, I got to go to uh, Kreut, Germany to the Euro Paint Championship Show to coordinate our Youth World Games event. Um, It was the trip of a lifetime—not just for me, but for all of the sixty kids that got to compete for their uh, for their countries at that event—that was so cool. Um, of course, other than uh, than a horse show in Germany, we got to go and do some really interesting historical day trips around. Um, we took this really cool. Boat ride to a monastery, got a cool tour there. Um, got to go to several surrounding towns, and of course, then take the kids to Munich um, and do some day trip uh, and, and tours around there. So that was really great. Um, a horse show kind of looks the same everywhere, um, but the surroundings were just so picturesque. It was way cool. Um, and then coming up, my most recent trip that I'm going to be taking here soon, I'll be going to the All American Youth Horse Show in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and uh, representing ATHA as well as um, doing some prizes and giveaways and things and registration. So if anybody's going to be headed to that event, make sure to come see me there.
2: I think that is awesome. You know, you're kind of living what the life I used to have back when I worked for the Arabian Horse Association (laughs) and got to do all your the fun youth stuff that you're doing. So youth is a big fun topic for me, too. I was the youth programs coordinator for the Arabian Horse Association for almost five years. And I just loved that. Um, And I, of course, teach kids to ride and I know, Christine, you've been very involved on a variety of different levels with youth. So what ideas do you have to kind of get new youth involved in the horse world? I think our horse world, even though once you get in, it is relatively small. Um, We all kind of know each other. We get to know each other. But I think when you're first starting out, it's a little daunting. If you just start Googling stuff, Uh, it kind of takes you weird places. So what are your suggestions to those parents and those kiddos that are just getting started?
0: Sure. You know, uh, my my advice, first of all, to the horse industry is to help keep it accessible for those who are not able to, uh, who aren't necessarily as horse savvy as you and I. I. I feel like, especially how I grew up through the horse industry, neither of my parents knew really, which was the kicking or biting end of a horse. Um, so I definitely can understand the struggles that some of those parents and kids who are just brand new to that horse industry, um, you know, feel. And it's it's such a challenge. I think really some great programs like IEA, anything that can get those kids, you know, dipping their toes in without necessarily having to bite the bullet of purchasing a horse um, are great ways for them to be able to try different disciplines, see what they like. Um, I know a lot of kids start riding, say, English because English riding lessons are what's near them, um, and then don't really get to see the full breadth of our horse industry and what they have to offer all the different disciplines. So I think IEA doing the English, and then of course they have the Western, and I believe they've got a saddle seat as well. Um, certainly, you know, three very unique. Uh, disciplines for them to be able to do um, through that program. I also love just the idea of a lesson program. And um, obviously that's CHA's, um, you know, bread and butter is, is having those folks who can take them all the way from the up-down, if you will, to uh, to advanced, um, advanced showing on nation and even world circuits. So being able to get them to a lesson giver is probably the most important advice, um, you know, I would say to, to a new kid who's getting into the horse world, um, you know, and, and, and from a, nas- a national and international standpoint, really, uh, we in the horse industry need to learn and continue to um, embrace the kids who love horses who just don't own one. You know, um, at EPHA, we've got several different programs um, and opportunities for kids who don't earn horses, um, you know, including our judging contest. We have art and photography contests, um, you know, things like that, that allow the kids to express their interest and grow their knowledge about horses, but without having to pay that monthly board bill, that might be a little scary for that mom and dad who who don't know how they're going to fit their horse in the backyard behind their apartment.
2: I think that's so true. I often talk about, you know, you and I share the same journey on this too, Christine. I grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles, California, so there was not a whole oh, lot sure. of horse property to be <laughs> had. So for the sure. same exact journey. So yes, I think it's awesome that um, organizations like APHA are just as interested in the non-showing, non-owning horse youth as they are for those that do. So I think that that's, that's wonderful. So let's let's jump now into those that, let's say, do get involved in our industry, and they're pretty active, and whether they show or whether they own or whether they've just been taking lots of lessons, and then college happens. And not all of us have the opportunity to go to a school that has an intercollegiate program. So here we are now going, huh, we get out of college, and there's you know student loans to pay off, and there's a thing called a job to get, and there's all that. How do we get those youth to stay active during college and beyond? How do we rope them back in?
0: For sure. Well, I'll tell you, that's definitely still something we're all trying to figure out the exact science or if it's an art or maybe it's a mixture of both two. Um, You know, I definitely can speak from that college perspective. Money is normally in short supply. And, uh, you know, you're trying to get food on the table, not necessarily uh, doing something for fun. And so I think, again, that same level of keeping it accessible um, you know, that's a perfect opportunity for college kids to maybe go find some kind of working student um, situation. That's how I actually kept my horse boarded was I traded uh, work around the farm and chores and things to, to get my horse fed through college, um, you know, and, and I did put showing on the back burner during my college years, and a lot of my friends did similar things. You know, you were still riding, still growing your skills, still putting tools in your toolbox, if you will, but you weren't necessarily going and, and hauling like you might have done before. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of breed associations and discipline associations recognize that this this age group, this age bracket that's going through college, they're, they're still, they got their teeth in the game. You know, they're, they're still wanting to be active in the horse industry, but there's a cap to the ability that they're able to uh, to be involved. And I would definitely encourage folks who are in that area, you know, look at, look at your local horse shows. They need people to help in horse show offices. They need people to help run gates. Look at your 4-H groups who need people to come in and teach other kids how to be, um, you know, how to gain these horsemanship skills. And so that is a prime time for you to be able to jump in and help spread the knowledge that you have as the, you know, the horsewoman or horseman that you are and still being involved. Um, I also think walk trot programs are an excellent opportunity. I get the call here, um, and previously when I was the amateur director here at APHA, I'd get the call of, okay, life happened. I got, you know, I got out of college, I got married, I had three babies. How, how do I do this again? It's so different. And, uh, you know, really trying to get these folks back into whether it's showing, whether it's pleasure riding, whether it's breeding, whatever they're, they're kind of corner of the industry of this horse community, um, that they prefer to be involved in just starting back from square one. And so having certain programs like that, and I send them number one, if they want to get back to horse showing, our amateur walk trot program is a perfect opportunity for them to get back into that show pen without feeling like they've got to swim with the sharks, if you will. Um, You know, similarly with our breeding programs, you know, they can be as involved in as they want. And so looking at the level involvement that they think they're able to achieve and, and being able to do that with some of these entry level programs.
2: I think those are all super suggestions. And, I know that you are, of course, on our board and such a Mm -hmm. valuable member of that and that we do have a Team CHA youth program. Um, Do you want to talk about that a little bit and some of the things that people might be able to do with that, whether they have a horse or not?
0: Yeah, and it is a great program for kiddos who do not own horses. Um, I think uh, the Team CHA Youth Program is so great because it motivates kids to learn, you know, to do more, to push themselves. A lot of times I think that riding students, regardless of age, but sometimes specifically youth, you've mastered your, your diagonals and your leads and you're jumping two foot. Well, what's next? You know, and this allows you to really push those kids to learn a little bit more of the who, what, when, why, and where, um, specifically more of the uh, the how and why of what they're doing with their horses. And I think the prize, um, uh, the, their ability to be able to earn prizes for what they're doing in the saddle, at the barn, I think that's so powerful um, and such a great motivator for trainers to be able to add that to their um, to their curriculum in their, in their lesson programs. And we've heard some success stories from several different um, CHA instructors that they've integrated this within their curriculum and have seen great success with their kids who participate with it.
2: And for those that are listening, it's for 16 and under, because at 16, you can actually become an assistant instructor with us. So for those that are under 15 and under is what this youth program is for. And it is, it's things like, you know, reading that nonfiction book, um, being able to watch nonfiction horse movies, things like that, that you can get these points that Christine referred to. And then the Horse Connection Reward Program then gives things like helmets, um, stone model horses, uh, things like that to the kids as prizes. So... It's it's a fun one to do, especially for those that are listening that do not currently have a horse because that is not a requirement at all. So now let's move on to APHA because you guys have so many things in the youth world, um, regardless of if somebody has a paint horse or no, or no horse at all. So share with us a little bit about those.
0: Sure thing. Well, I could totally talk well into Haley and Beth's time, but I'll try to keep it short about all the great stuff we've got at APHA for kids. Um, You know, number one, the biggest thing is uh, is we've got an awesome scholarship program. We give over one hundred and ten thousand dollars in scholarships every single year at the Youth World Championship Show, and then we also give about fifty thousand dollars a year um, in academic scholarships. So whether you're a champion in the show ring or you're champion in your classroom, we do have a scholarship program that could definitely match you or your child. Um, and there's a really great reason why you should continue participating with your paint horse um, at APHA approved shows is to be able to get these scholarships up for grabs, um, which is a really unique program. Um, we ha- Outside of APHA showing, um, which you can do in all 50 states and many countries, um, We have a great program for those who are participating in open 4-H or discipline-specific shows, which is called our PAC program. PAC stands for Paint Approved Competition. So for those of you who are showing at open shows, whether it be saddle clubs or play days, or if you go to your 4-H regional show or you go show your cutter at a cutting, you can earn credits to get applied to your APHA record. Therefore, actually keeping a permanent record of your achievements at these shows on your horse's APHA record, all while earning towards um, Lifetime Achievement Awards and year-end awards, um, like buckles and certificates and really great useful prizes. So it's a really great program, um, and we really uh, love to, to push that program because we know that a lot of folks show with APHA, but they also have other discipline-specific associations that they're a part of, and this allows them to play with us in both realms. Um, in addition, we also have some youth leadership opportunities. Um, I just got to install about 83 uh, AJ, PHA youth national directors um, all over the world. We're really excited. Um, that leadership program has been growing over the last five years and is really flourishing. Um, these kiddos are hands and feet of APHA, and they are all about um, spreading the the great knowledge that they have about the paint horse, their passion for our industry, and what they do with their paint horse. Um, these kiddos aren't just kids who are showing on the weekends. A lot of them breed their own paint horses. A lot of them, we've got a lot of high school radio kids, um, folks who are involved in different areas of the industry, and that's, that's my favorite part. They come together um, twice a year. At our youth leadership conference, as well as our convention in the summer, and just get to put their heads together and, and figure out what they're going to do next to uh, continue to shape our industry. Um, so that's, those, are, those are some of my favorite things that we do. I spoke a little earlier about some contests we have as well, um, our photography and um, our art contests, our great paint brush-offs, um, and those are some awesome contests with cash prizes. All you got to be is a current AJPHA member. Um, so that's a little bit about what great programs we've got at APHA and, um, listeners, if you guys want to get involved, information about all of these programs is found on APHA.com. And, uh, and if you have any questions, of course, please contact me.
2: Christine, it's so natural to do photography and art when it comes to the colorful breed of the paint horse. That just makes such natural just so natural. It's just a super idea. And I'm so glad you have both of those contests. You know, our, my boys are very involved in 4-H and again, they have photography and art and things like that too. And I just love that. I love that. It's a way to be with the animal, but still be artistic and creative. That's wonderful Mm -hmm. that you do those as well.
0: Well, thank you. We certainly enjoy them.
2: Well, thank you so much, Christine, for being on our call today and sharing a little bit about what you feel are good things for youth um, locally, regionally and nationally and how we can all continue to keep them involved. Because long after I retire and then you're going to be on my heels retiring, we still want this industry to <laughs> flourish. So it's all about the youth.
1: what it's about yes, ma'am. Thanks a bunch, Christine. That was fun. Thank you. Well, no time for the weary. We are on to our next guest already. We've got her. So, Christy, introduce our next guest. It is so great to have
2: Haley Eberly on our show next. She is a graduate of MTSU, which stands for Middle Tennessee State University, and she's been employed with the National Raining Horse Association since 2013. She currently manages the Siren Dam program, marketing all of NRHA's programs, communications to members outside advertising and alliances. She also is the staff liaison to the NRHA Professionals Committee. Haley also serves on the American Youth Horse Council Board of Directors, as well as on our CHA board, and she has the AYHC Symposium this weekend there in Oklahoma City, where she lives. So, hi, Haley. How are you today? I'm doing great, Christy. How are you? I'm doing great. Can we just launch this right off by explaining to people what this American Youth Horse Council is, and how they can get involved, and who should get involved, and how all that works?
3: Yes, so the American Youth Horse Council um, puts on a symposium every year, and really it's an opportunity for youth involved in the horse industry, regardless of their background or their skill level, as well as their leaders to come together in one area and spend several days increasing their knowledge on the horse industry in many different sectors of that as well as taking the opportunity to network with other individuals that they may not necessarily get to talk to due to geographical restrictions or breed or um, sport disciplines that they may compete in differently. So it's just a really great time for horse lovers to come together, spend the weekend together, learn, and increase their network.
2: So what are some of the um, speakers and topics on the schedule this year? Do you know some of the activities going on?
3: Yes, I do. So there will be a range of topics that we'll discuss. One of those that's probably a hot topic for a lot of people is we have a gentleman coming in from Protect the Harvest who is actually going to speak on the ELD mandate and the updates on that. So um, I know, especially being the professional liaison for NRHA, that that's a really hot topic. And so we thought that would be a great piece for the adult leaders to come in and talk about. And then we will have a couple of more um, speakers. We are doing a two-session segment on perfecting your pitch. So really taking time to work with those youth leaders and the youth to work on a pitch to help promote themselves or their horse club when they're out seeking sponsorship or things of that nature. I know there's also a couple of discussions over um, there's an app for that, so different horse apps that you can use, um, some hippology sessions, and then some hands on stuff like a cardio lab.
2: That's awesome. It is so much fun because, again, American Youth Horse Council is truly all breed, all discipline when it comes to anything youth related. So it's a great first stop for those of you out there that are trying to navigate this horse industry for um, either your niece, your nephew, your grandchildren um, your own children, whatever the case may be, even your writing students for those that might be instructors to give them some things outside of just lessons to be able to do. So that is awesome. And Haley, tell us a little bit about, um, kind of NRHA and the youth programs there and what, how they've kind of come to be and how they've changed over the years. And what are some of the things that folks can do in that realm?
3: So our youth program officially started in 2001 uh, with a few dedicated members who pulled it together and made it happen, and it has just grown since then. And it's something that we're really proud of because we know that even if they don't stay rainers later, if we can get our hands on them and make them great citizens and educate them on our sport in the equestrian industry as a whole, they can go on to be great ambassadors for us all. So we take a lot of time to give them opportunities to grow outside of the arena. You know, we still celebrate the accomplishments in the pen with world championships and things like that, but we have a lot of different programs that encourage growth outside the arena. So we have the Derby coming up, and we offer a speaking contest at the Derby where NRHYA members can compete on several different topics, and then they're awarded scholarships and prizes based off how they do. We also offer other things like an art and photo contest, and then there's leadership development opportunities where we bring in guest speakers to talk, or they do leadership building activities so that they can network with other rainers and youth kids, but they also can have fun and grow their leadership skills all at the same time. And those all kind of build off of our varsity raining club program that we have which is an online program where youth members can go in and log activities that they complete to earn points. And those activities range from good grades to spreading the word about the sport of raining um, art and photo and photography. We really have something for everybody. And so they earn those points and they can redeem them for prizes like NRHA merchandise or stalls at our major events. And then we give away scholarships, at the end of the year for those who placed within a certain point range.
2: I love that you do the public speaking contest. I'll tell you, um, that is such a life skill. And even if somebody thinks, oh, I'll never have a job with public speaking, that's actually incorrect. You will be asked in a meeting to stand up and speak about your project you're working on. I mean, there's always going to be public speaking in everyone's lives. And you know, that's really scary to some people. It's scarier than the fear of dying. So I think it's so great when um, organizations offer a public speaking contest. So good for you guys.
3: Thanks. And I can attest to that. I was the kid who would like cry in high school because I did not want to speak in front of people. And I went to college and somehow talked to myself on a horse judging team. And I'll tell you, learning how to give reasons was probably the best thing I ever did for myself because I was hired in March, and not even two months later, I had to present to our board of directors at NRHA over the program I was managing, and oh, it was a lifesaver.
2: See, I never knew that about you. I had no idea that you would not want to speak <laughs> in public. So see, you've, you've definitely morphed and changed from that high school person that didn't want to do that. So there you go. That just shows, yeah. right? These competitions are super. So that's wonderful. So Haley, kind of on the grand scheme of things, regardless of breed or discipline, I know you've been involved with horses yourself for a long time and of course now you've chosen it as your career. What ideas do you have for all of those listening right now to help get brand new youth? I don't care if they're really little or if they're in high school. Um, how do we get them involved in our industry instead of just going to Google and searching? You know what? What do we do to get them to understand all the different things? And where's where's the best place to start, in your opinion?
3: So I think we have to think small. We all know being in the horse industry um, that there's a lot of money associated with being involved at a big level. And so sometimes we kind of have to step away from that and think the lower entry point, point for the general public. And I think things like what Time to Ride has done with the kind of like touch a horse program has been outstanding. And the facilities who have participated in that program have seen great results from it. And so taking it back to, you know, the 4-H groups where they can interact with local schools and bring them in and just basic, let them touch a horse, brush a horse, let's do a fun arts and crafts activity. I think those are the kind of things that bring that life back into it, the sparkle in their eye about wanting to be involved with horses. And it makes that conversation of how to get involved with horses a little bit easier. Uh, And maybe not so cold as just straight out asking a question.
2: And if anyone's interested, um, American Horse Council does run the Time to Ride program, and they just recently um, hired a new management firm to head that up. So if you go on timetoride.com, you can find um, some of these barns and other locations that are willing to have anyone come out and pet a horse, groom a horse, and possibly even ride a horse on these days that are going on around the country. So that's a great idea.
3: We're actually taking kind of a spin off of that and doing something similar at the Derby where our youth officers and delegates are going to lead a touch a horse, um, almost in a sense, for a a specialized school here within the city that have lower income students that are kind of more at risk. So we're going to implement it and we're excited to see how that's going to do because Time to Ride has had such a great success with that.
2: And tell us when and where the one at the Derby is taking place.
3: So the it, the derby will take place in Oklahoma City, and that event is running from June 23rd until July 1st. And if I had to guess, I know that they're still nailing down that date um, since they're working with several different parties to make it happen, but it would be later in the event um, based off arrivals for everybody to get into town
2: that's super. So for those of you that live there or near there, that's, that would be a great thing to do during the summer when the kids are out of school, something great to get them to go do. I love that. So Haley, I think the next thing to talk about in this is a little bit of a harder uh, nut to crack, I think is the college age, whether they're a beginner wanting to get into horses or whether or not they're just getting out of college. They used to do it, but then college kind of put it on hold a little bit due to everything that comes with that. And now they're going to maybe be pursuing work, starting families, all of that. What are some different ideas you personally have to keep that age range engaged in our industry?
3: So I think partnerships with groups like IHSA and NCEA are crucial in helping because they are, are able to do a lot of things that, you know, a sport association or a breed association may not be able to do. Uh, they're able to provide that college student opportunity to go show at a very cost-effective rate and so I think as a whole it's important for the industry to support them. I know some of the things that we've done outside of that would be like our entry-level program where it's a reduced membership so you can purchase our $25 membership and you can take any reigning horse you're not required to own it and as long as you fit within those eligibility requirements you can go show on that horse until you point out you can change horses every weekend You know, the sky's the limit. And so I think opportunities like that where the college students can circle back into the industry at a very reasonable um, rate when it comes to income, because we all know they're trying to get established after that and have fun. I mean, that's that's really what it was all about to begin with. And so when it's cost effective and fun and they're enjoying it, they'll continue to come back.
2: I would agree with that. And I'll tell you some of the unique ideas too that I've heard recently, and I think they're just wonderful ideas is for those that, let's say they've been taking lessons for a while and they're truly already for like that next stage, you know, horse ownership is a little scary. So there's a lot of instructors out there, um, not only CHA instructors, but others that are very willing to lease a horse. So you only have access, let's say, to the horse on a certain day during the week and then one day every other week on the weekend, whatever the case may be. So you don't have the full expense of that animal and then also the concept of time sharing a horse. And I think this is kind of cool. So you buy in, right, to this horse, and you have the opportunity to um, timeshare that horse, and again, only ride it on certain days and things like that. Then it's almost like a monthly budgeted item that the parents can put in like they do for karate or piano lessons or whatever else, and they know Tuesday, Thursday, every other Saturday, that's our riding days. Got it. That's what—that's when we are at the barn. And I love that NRHA and some of these other associations are starting to realize that ownership is not always possible, and that you're allowing some of these youth youth, and young adults to be able to still be a part of your programming without having to own the horses. They can lease them or even do this timeshare type opportunity. I think that's wonderful.
3: Yes. So I guess it's been two years now that we have offered the lease option, and we have continued to see that grow in popularity. And so both our youth riders and our non-pro riders have the opportunity to lease horses. And there was a great conversation centered around that when that rule was passed, and I think it really is going to be the key moving forward for a lot of associations in the equine industry because, like we all know, um, not only is it expensive to own a horse, but these days finding a place to put a horse can also be a challenge depending on where you live. And so I think that's probably going to be a huge thing moving forward for all of us.
2: And that's a really good point. Land usage is getting um, a little bit more tricky. Uh, We're not as rural as we used to be getting much more urban all the time. I noticed the sprawl east of my house since I moved here to my home 16 years ago is pretty intense. So yes, that, that kind of stuff's happening. So that's a really good point that sometimes these lease options will help with that as well. So Haley, how do people find out more about NRHA and its programs and AYHC and its programs?
3: So for NRHA, you can go to NRHA.com and you can find links to both our entry level program, there's information on our lease program, and then there's information about our youth program, all available off that site. And then to learn more about AYHC, you can go to AYHC.com and there's information about 2018 Symposium and the 2019 Symposium. So if you wanted to go ahead and mark your calendar, you certainly could. And then of course there's uh, membership information. And then we're both on social media. So you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, um, pretty much just about anywhere.
2: All those different platforms. And isn't AYHC going to be in Idaho next year? Is that the rumor I'm hearing?
3: That is correct. They're going to be in Idaho in March next year.
2: That'll be fun, too. And then they can go see the Appaloosa Association because they're in Moscow. So see, there's something everywhere.
1: Something for everybody. That's part of the point. Pretty awesome.
2: Well, Haley, thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate all your input to get all these uh, youth excited about our industry.
3: I'm glad I could be here.
2: Jen, it is so much fun to hear about all of the different things that breed and discipline associations are doing for youth.
1: It's interesting how more and more... I'm excited now to share. Yeah, well, and more and more organizations are starting to think outside the tried and true outreach methods that organizations have been using for generations they're starting to think outside the box think differently because it's a it's a different it's a different group of people so many people are potential customers people who could get interested in a horse haven't the first clue even about a pet much less a horse so you really have to start with yes touch a horse it's okay
2: Yes. And I'll tell you, change is inevitable. And those that don't change, well, they don't.
1: Right. (laughs) They become dinosaurs. Yeah.
2: You got it. So I'm so glad I was at the AQHA's convention a month or two now ago, and they were talking about a barrel racing app because talk about people being on their phones all the time. Now you have this app that tells you where your barrel horse is, AQHA, but it's for the whole barrel Industry, uh, regardless of where they bear race um, and as long as they're you know something to do with a quarter horse in some way it's this is app so I love that we're even willing to change technology to keep current with yep. everyone
1: and we're we're getting better about removing barriers simple things that for somebody on the inside seems so straightforward um, for someone coming from the outside who has no contacts if you're Juliet, the 13-year-old girl who is horse crazy and you doodle horses all over your notebooks, no one in your family, no one in your circle of friends knows anything about a horse or knows anybody who has a horse or has touched a horse. There are a lot of barriers to entry, and it's really great to hear Haley's take on removing those, making it just so simple. Build it and they will come, you know?
2: I know. I love that. And so for those listening, you know, besides breed and discipline organizations, something else I want to talk to everyone about is, you know, there's this local riding clubs in general. I was very lucky. My parents from the suburb of Los Angeles called Cerritos to the suburb of Orange County called Fullerton. And we had a riding arena near us. And there was a group there called the Fullerton Recreational Riders. And they would have horse shows every weekend. And so we're hanging on the rail watching them. And little by little, you start meeting people. Pretty soon, my babysitter ended up coming from there, and she had a horse, and she introduced me to her horseback riding instructor, and the rest is history. So these local clubs, you know, here in Aurora, Colorado, where I live, we have the Aurora Horsemen's Association. So you, for those listening, you might be able to have a local riding club near you to get started, too. So then it is all breed, all discipline simultaneously and they'll do things like gym canna's which include you know the games like the bar racing i mentioned pole bending those mm-hmm. kinds of things um and regular horse shows and trail rides we used to do poker rides where we would get on each stop on the trail a different card for your hand until you got all the cards in your hand and then whoever had the best poker hand won at the end yeah prizes they're very
1: popular here yeah love that yeah, stuff they're a lot of fun love it yeah so and lots of things like that it, if you bring things along like snickers bars or um highly valued items on the trail, maybe even some Gatorade because it's Florida, you might be able to trade up your card. Just saying. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jen's first poker no, ride. No, it's, it's, it's all out there. You're right. Yeah. The, the local and regional clubs are getting better. Again, those local and regional clubs are getting better at being more accessible and being more welcoming of folks who Have no idea. All they just like give it a go, give it a try. Let's see what happens. And they're more and more open to that kind of thing. Now it'll be interesting to see as that starts to happen if it's going to be helpful for local barns who have lessened horses or lease horses available. It's going to be interesting over the next five years or so to see how their business model hopefully will improve and there will be more and more and more demand for those horses.
2: Which would be wonderful. And I'll tell you too, another thing where the horses, especially those that are on their second, third careers go, and that's a great place for them. YMCA Boy Scout and Girl Scout camps. Um, One of my first horse experiences ever was at a Girl Scout camp and it was phenomenal came home and that's of course all I talked about. So it's an a way for those of us that are born with the gene but don't have access to yeah, have access.
1: Absolutely. And yeah.
2: Wonderful and to spend a whole 5 days submerged or 7 or whatever the camp is is pretty cool.
1: That's right. And if if going to camp for several weeks on end or even one week is not within your means, there are a lot of volunteer opportunities to get up close and personal with horses through camp systems, and you can go to CHA and find all kinds of information on that. There's also a lot of reputable uh rehoming or rescue organizations that are always looking for helping hands for people to put their hands on the horse. They're hand-grazing horses, they're grooming horses, they're giving horses um, home health care and things like that. So there's a lot of volunteer opportunities. Don't discount those for folks that you come across who... Want to experience horses, but maybe don't have the financial means to spend a lot of money on it, those are great places to start because you get that experience. I actually hired somebody that way. A young lady who had been horse crazy her entire life, grew up in Boston, had no access to horses, either financially or physically. She was in the city and she was laid off from her job, had nothing to do, was looking for a job. So she started volunteering at the barn that I ran. Um, it was at a country, a very high-end country club. And she said, she just called me on the phone and said, could I be an intern? Can I volunteer? Cleared it with the, with the higher-ups. And they said, sure, she can volunteer. So she volunteered. And she was an excellent student. And three months later, I hired her. Hired her. That's awesome.
2: And I'll tell you that I'm so glad that you brought that up, Jen, because high school, right, you've got to have community service. It's part of the high school journey. Yeah. So what a great way to do some community service at some of these different types of horse programs out there, especially if you don't have access in other ways, you can still get your fix and also have it be credit for you. That's pretty awesome.
1: Now, the CHA can help people with that search, can they not?
2: Yes. Um, So, chainstructors.com is our online live database. It's in real time, and you can either scroll all the way to the bottom of that page and click on by state or by province to find everyone near you, or you can put in a zip code or a postal code and how many miles you're willing to drive, and they'll all come up. And then you click on their names, and it will tell you all about them. If they're more English, more Western, maybe breeds and disciplines, maybe they do driving, uh, maybe they do rodeo, wh- whatever the case may be. And if they have volunteer opportunities and if they also are hiring, we have a really huge hiring page right now. It's um, Just get on the website, horse or chainstructors.com and go to instructors and then find a job. And it's not just jobs for instructors. It's also jobs for equine facility, uh, stable workers to help clean the stalls and groom horses and things like that. And then some of these jobs include getting certified. So then they're going to give you your certification too. Pretty cool.
1: That's pretty cool. So there you go. Go to CHA and uh, look at all that up. Look all that up. So Whether you want to be a volunteer, you want to find an instructor, you want to find a barn, you want to find a job, it's all there at CHA. See? This is a fantastic thing, CHA. So many opportunities and possibilities.
2: It just goes on and on. That's why I'm never bored. You know when they say, hey, Christy, what's the part you like most about your job in your yearly review? And it used to be the magazine. I really enjoyed putting together our annual report and our annual one. We do one magazine a year. I really enjoyed that. But it's morphed a little bit. Now it's conference that you were talking about earlier and putting together all those different talks. Mm-hmm. I never get to see any of them to completion because I'm running around. You're running
1: around like but a crazy But I yeah. love
2: doing that. And I also love um, keeping our website up to date with all these different jobs because I don't think people realize we have 32 jobs posted right now wow, on our website that's pretty cool. for the summer. So yeah, check it out for that's those pretty cool. that are interested. So
1: again, if what remind everybody what the dates are for the international conference which is open to everyone in Fort Collins, Colorado.
2: Yes, it will be September the 28th through the 30th and um by the end of this month, maybe the beginning of May, we'll have the full schedule on there, um all the registration information and everything ready to go.
1: There we go. And to find links and links to today's guests you can go to horsesinthemorning.com. You can search by date, and this is April 17th, 2018, that we do this show. And follow, you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. We always have lots of fun posts. We put posts up there first thing in the morning about what's coming up on each show. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is Horse Radio. And if you haven't done so already, you need to go to your App Store for your iPhone or your Android and download the free Horse Radio Network app. It's quick and it's free and it's easy to use. And we'll have all the shows from the Horse Radio Network right there. Or you can be old-fashioned, get that, and subscribe via iTunes. Or you can use your favorite pod catcher. And thank you very much to Christy Landwehr and the CHA for bringing us this amazing show on the third Tuesday of every month. Did I get it right? You did. That is exactly when we are here. (laughs) See you next month. Bye, everyone.